Welcome. Welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. All gas, no brakes. If you're looking for the same old sports talk, get out. You've come to the wrong place. Hey, we ain't come this far just to come this far, you hear me? I tell you what I see, I tell you the truth. We going hard today. We're fearless, bold, and highly opinionated. This here show. This show is so hot right now. The biggest guests, the hottest takes, and the best interviews live right here. Do you actually remind me of Dan Patrick? Because you ask great questions, you have the knack, you have the gift. On Sports Talk Chicago. Yo, Chicago. Here's your host. The guy's an absolute stud. John Zagul. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk Chicago. Great to see all of you here with us from our beautiful studios in Chicagoland, Illinois. John Meadows is with us directing and producing. We have so much to get to, and I have to say, it is so great to be back fighting some sickness and had some holidays to celebrate. Great to be back with you all. We have a lot to get to. A lot to discuss here tonight. Who are the Bears draft? NFL draft week is here. The draft is coming up on Thursday with the Bears stay at nine. They are tied right now to Jalen Carter, Peter Skaronsky. Will they tank? We'll discuss. Lots of NFL news has occurred. Aaron Rodgers is now a Jet, officially. It only took him about two months to get that one done. Plus, Jalen Hurts got paid. What's it mean for Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson? I'm going to give you a pretty hot take on that situation moving forward. Robbie Gold may come back to Chicago. Hear what he had to say about a possible reunion with the Bears. Later on, baseball Cubs are doing great. White Sox, not so much. And if you're a Sox fan, prepare to be eviscerated near the end of this program, I guarantee it. Really appreciate all of you being here with us. We're live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook at Sports Talk Chicago. Follow me personally at John Z Sports, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also find us in podcast form anywhere you get your podcasts at Sports Talk Chicago. We're presented by our good sponsors, Amish Country Farms. For the best Amish food in all of Chicagoland, hit up Amish Country Farms today. Pie order forms for Mother's Day are now out. Mother's Day pie order forms. Give them a call or stop in and order your custom-made pie from the Amish of Northern Indiana, Amish Country Farms. Tell them Sports Talk Chicago sent you. Before we start today, I want to address some rumors and comments that have been going on throughout the past week. I apologize if I haven't been able to clearly state what's going on with the channel and with Sports Talk Chicago, really. We have become a podcasting network as of last week. So it won't be just me on this show you're going to see anymore on this channel. We're going to have talent, big names from across the Chicago sports media landscape. And last week you saw Corey Wooten, former Chicago Bears, six-year NFL veteran, do a show with Joey Christopoulos, an up-and-coming Chicago sports guy based out in Los Angeles, Chicagoland native. They're going to be doing a show every week talking about the Bears. Joey's going to do his own show. We have other people in the pipeline who we are going to debut on this channel. We are going to grow into hopefully a 5-10 to podcast network with athletes, ex-pros, sports media heavyweights, and rising stars all contributing and giving you a great Chicago sports perspective that is not out there today. There are many who could say they're like us or already exist like us, but the fact is we're different, we're unique, and we're going to have an amazing roster for you that's going to be unveiled in the weeks to come. We are working with people behind the scenes as we speak, every day I'm on this phone, (laughs) talking to people. And um, as more people get announced, as more people get confirmed, and they're in on this, we're going to let you know right away. So don't worry, the channel has not been sold. (laughs) I haven't given up. 
going to be really hard to keep me away from this. Um, we're just adding more talent, and we are going to do our best to become the premier Chicago sports destination. And I encourage all of you, all 18,000 of you who've been with me for years to stay with me. This is not just going to be anybody on this channel. We are bringing on legit former athletes, legends, media heavyweights who you see on TV today in Chicago, and people like myself, like Joey, others who are rising up in the ranks and who are going to make a big splash on this network. Encourage all of you to stay with me. Encourage all of you to continue to watch. And there's going to be some really cool stuff to come in the coming weeks and months. If you have any questions, you can comment here, comment on any one of the videos. I am pretty responsive, and I could get back to you with direct answers on anything you need. Make sure you also check out the YouTube community tab and follow me on social media on Sports Talk Chicago on social media to get the latest updates and announcements regarding future talent on this channel. Just wanted to open up and address that now so that way we can move forward. No, I didn't sell the channel. No, the channel's not out of existence. We are simply moving forward in a bigger direction, and we hope all of you could stay with us. <clears throat> so, let me start today with this. What the Bears draft on Thursday? All of these months of speculation and mock drafts and trades and more speculation and insiders reporting nonsense will end on Thursday. <laughs> Question is, what will the Bears do at number nine? A lot of you did not like my last video, my last opinion on Jalen Carter. <laughs> I guess nobody cares about character anymore, and that's fine. I don't care. But the question is, as of right now, according to multiple reports, the Bears are tied to Jalen Carter and Peter Skaronsky of Notre Dame, also Paris Johnson Jr., top offensive tackle from Ohio State, all in the mix at number nine. Now, these are according to mock drafts and reports and speculation. We don't know what the Bears will do at nine. And don't quote me later and say you were wrong. I don't know. I'm not in on these conversations. I don't know what the Bears are going to do on draft day. They might trade back. I think they may. Really? Realistically? So we don't know how this whole thing's going to shake out. Here's what we do know. <laughs> the Bears have an excellent opportunity to bring in a specific need at 9 if they stay there or even if they trade back to 17 or 15 or wherever they go. They're going to retain a first-round pick and hopefully draft somebody they need. All three of these players who I mentioned in these reports are people the Bears need. You could even add in Jackson Smith and the Jigba. I doubt the Bears are going to get him, but they could get him at number nine if they wanted to. And I'd be okay with them drafting a receiver at nine. I'm not one of those people. I'm not going to kill them if they draft the top wide receiver on the board who Justin Fields played with at Ohio State. It'd be a smart move to me, too. Probably not going to happen, but I'd be okay with it. The Bears have a decision to make. Ryan Poles has a decision to make, and I'll tell you this much. Here is what makes me wary of Jalen Carter. Here's what makes me doubt all of these reports and all this news and links surrounding the Bears and Carter. Let's put it this way. Ryan Poles, first time really getting a crack at the draft. He did last year, didn't have a first-round pick, hard circumstances, just came on the job, this is going to be his first year in which we could properly evaluate what he did and how he did it. Would it be smart for Poles in his first year 
to draft somebody like Carter with the baggage that comes along with him and potentially not even being the best defensive player in this draft? Does it make sense to take on that responsibility? Does it make sense to have to worry about what Carter is going to be like off the field or what could happen still with that case in Georgia? We don't know. If I were Ryan Poles, I would not be taking that calculated of a risk. Look, if you're a Howie Roseman, if you're an established general manager, <coughs> it would make sense to take somebody in like that because your job security is there. You've been around for so long. People are going to trust your guts, and you will be able to take a big swing and miss and still retain your job, and it's okay. No one's going to be out for your head. You think anybody's going to kill Howie Roseman, Eagles GM, if he took Jalen Carter? They just won a Super Bowl. They just extended Jalen Car- uh, Hurts. No need to worry. No need to fret about somebody like Jalen Carter with his history. But Ryan Poles, first year, if it doesn't work out, maybe he'd be on the chopping block. And that's a fair point. Hey, GMs have been fired for much less. And if I were Ryan Poles and I'm looking out for my own ass, and I have a coveted first-round pick still after the trade with Carolina at number nine, I would not be pissing it down the drain for somebody who could piss it all away. Somebody like Jalen Carter, who may get into more trouble and who certainly has some baggage. All I'm saying is, as talented as Jalen Carter is, don't right away buy that the Bears are going to take him at nine. This could be an entire ploy to force teams to move up to want Carter at nine if he's still there. I'm not buying Ryan Poles putting his career early on the line for somebody like that when he has everything he needs. He made all these trades and all these moves. He has a quarterback. Why hurt yourself and hurt your resume after all that you did that was good this offseason? Why do it to yourself? Why put yourself in that position and go out on a ledge? And I'll tell you what, if you want to go out on a ledge for anybody, they better be damn special. And although Carter is, anything can happen when you get to the NFL. I'm wary of that situation. And all of you who have been following it closely, I'm sure you would agree. I am not going to buy for one second that that's the Bears' number one choice. At number nine, they have other needs too. They do. I'd love Peter Skaronsky at number nine. Northwestern product. Hometown kid. Solid offensive lineman. Really a left tackle. Which the Bears do need. Paris Johnson, Jr., Formerly, Justin Fields' teammate, part of Justin Fields' offensive line at Ohio State that was so successful, the Bears could take him at number nine. According to this mock draft from Touchdown Wire's Doug Farrar, he says this quote, The Bears wisely traded down from the first overall pick, and with the knowledge that they don't need a quarterback, but that they do need just about everything else, they especially need pass protection. And as Braxton Jones is their projected starting left tackle, it might be time to address that early in the draft. Johnson, Paris Johnson Jr., is not a perfect prospect, but he's the best pass-blocking tackle in this class with physical attributes that transition easily to the next level. When people doubt C.J. Stroud as a prospect because he was throwing from clean pockets so much of the time, well, here's the primary reason why. Very true. Paris Johnson Jr., is a stud of an offensive lineman. Peter Skaronsky did great at Northwestern. He's going to have to adjust to the left tackle position, but that's possible. 
And Jalen Carter is Jalen Carter. We know about his potential, but we also know about the -the off-the-field stuff. We also know about, and this is key, showed up to the combine 15 pounds overweight, didn't even run a 40. I've never seen so many people make such big excuses for somebody for really no apparent reason. I mean, Jalen Carter is all the makings of a bust, and I'm not saying he's going to be that way, but 15 pounds overweight. Coming to the combine, not looking ready to go. All this baggage off the field. What the hell's going on with Jalen Carter? And the question is, can the Bears fix him? Or can any team bring him in and invest so many resources and so much time to the point that it's worth it? And maybe it would be for some teams. Maybe for the Bears, it'd be worth it. But I'll tell you this, and I'll tell you straight, I'm not going to kill Ryan Poles if he passes on Jalen Carter. In fact, I'd actually rejoice. I don't want somebody like that on my team. And that's me. I understand not everybody has a morality clause. Not everybody sits there and thinks about off-the-field stuff. (laughs) And look, some teams succeed, and they take in people who have off-the-field issues. They still win, and that's awesome. I will continue to say this to I'm blue in the face. The Bears are a class franchise. Love them or not, love the way they operate or not, they are one of the toasts of the NFL, even today, even though they've been mediocre for X amount of time. They're a great team, great franchise, storied history. They usually don't dabble in situations like this. I would be shocked if not only Ryan Poles did it, but the team did it, and they signed off on it. It would go against everything that they usually are about. If they do it, good for them. If Jalen Carter comes in and performs like a human wrecking ball, good for him, and I'll take all my words back. But right now, if I'm an evaluator and I see this guy showing up overweight, 15 pounds, if I see him not willing to run a 40 and not even being able to tackle dummies at a combine, and now he has this... Reckless driving charge from January. I'm not going to sit here and say, wow, what a great prospect. I better take him at number one. Would you? I don't understand what all the excuses are for. Why there is cover from the media about this. There are other players in the past who've had these situations occur. 15 pounds overweight, not ready for the combine, criminal history, and it has hurt their draft stock. For some reason, though, it's not hurting Jalen Carter's. There's something going on that we don't know, is the point. There's something going on we don't know. And I've read the scouting reports on Carter. The thing is, when he's on, he's on. When he's off, he's off. He does take plays off. It's been proven. (laughs) It's been seen on tape. And when he takes plays off, unfortunately, it's noticeable. So that's not something you want to hear about again in a scouting report. I just caution everybody to not fully buy the Jalen Carter hype. And I'd be perfectly okay if it's Skaronsky or Paris Johnson or maybe JSN even. Doubt the Bears are going to take a receiver at nine, but if they do, I would rejoice as well. There are other options out there that would be suitable at number nine besides Jalen Carter. Has to be Jalen Carter. No, it doesn't. Doesn't have to be. It could be somebody else. And that's okay. Caution everybody, though, just to think about it. I would not be surprised if the Bears move on and don't take him. Why would Ryan Poles take that risk? And why would the Bears want to deal with that whole situation? 
To me, it makes no sense. And although reports state today that the Bears are going to be tied to him and Skaronsky and Paris Johnson, I have a hard time believing Carter is the favorite amongst the Bears inside the building. Only Thursday will show us. Only Thursday will tell what is really going on. But don't count on Carter going to the Bears on Thursday. And if they do it, great. But he better prove himself. Because if the Bears are going to be investing all these resources into him to get him better, to get him more in shape, to get him avoiding off-the-field issues, that's great. But we better see results on the field to justify it, or else it's going to be a waste. Another team will take him. Other teams are interested in him, and that's awesome. Good for him. Despite all this stuff he's overcome, he still has an opportunity to be drafted quite high in the NFL draft. That's great. I just don't buy the Bears being 100% on the Jalen Carter hype train. And guys, you shouldn't be either. (laughs) Take a look at some of your comments. Welp, with an exclamation point, Jalen Carter not finishing plays, takes plays off, and not finishing his skills at his pro day is the bigger concern. Thank you. And I mentioned that. Let's say you have no morality clause, and that's fine. That is a concern. When you show up to the combine 15 pounds overweight, you can't even finish the drills. You can't be, you're failing to tackle dummies, literal plastic dummies, rubber dummies. You got a problem. And as you said correctly in the scouting reports, it does say it is pretty noticeable when Jalen Carter takes time off. It's noticeable. And that's not something good to hear. (laughs) And I notice when you slack off, good job. No. I notice when you slack off, you do a crap job. You need to get better. And you need to be focused more on what's going on on the field. That's kind of scary. This is a college kid. And they're already having that sort of MO on him. Just saying, I would not buy all this hype around Carter. Aaron, great to see you. I'd rather Paul's playing safe and stick to his draft board and not fall in love with a player. Yes. Thank you. And that's great advice for everybody. Randy Mueller, a uh, great friend of this program, former NFL GM right now. He's actually, um, as an executive for the XFL Seattle Dragons, they're in the championship for the XFL, so good luck to him. But he said on this show before, when he drafted for the Seahawks or the Saints or the Dolphins, he never fall, fell in love with one player. There was a draft board. There was a process. He drafted based on the best player available. He never even drafted by need. And he said, that's the way we, you got to do it. And he was successful. 2000 NFL Executive of the Year, great GM with all three teams. <clears throat> Poles becoming biased. Poles putting his heart into the matter, not his brain, may hurt the Bears as well. So I would hope that the media hype doesn't even get to Poles to the point where he's like, I got to draft Jalen Carter. No, you don't. You have a choice. You have other needs on your team. And is Carter truly the most talented player left at number nine? Numbers could say so. Hype could say so, but actions and how he is today versus how he was six months ago, different story. 15 pounds more overweight, can't even finish his training. Can't finish training in a t-shirt and shorts. What happens when he puts on pads playing in 30-degree weather in October? (laughs) I mean, I can't believe we have to sit here and explain that and think about it, but it's true. What's going to happen to Jalen Carter when those conditions arise? He has to get himself into shape and be ready to go. Can't take planes off. And I'll tell you what, it might be hard to focus when your ass is freezing out in Chicago in January. 
What are you going to do? Something he's going to have to answer and beckon to and respond to himself. My only advice for polls is don't do what you did last year. Don't pull a Vanish Jones. Yes, sir, Aaron. Frickin' bust. How about Vanish Jones? He's still on the roster. Can you believe that? I would have cut his ass after the second muff. But yet he's still there because he's Ryan Poles' guy in the third round. Can you believe that the Bears are so attached to a third-round wide receiver that they didn't cut him after five fumbles, five mups? Third-round wide receiver. You know, any other team in the NFL, they'd just be cut. Like, it'd be over. Okay, you're a third-rounder, you're done. Go play in the XFL, go play in our practice squad. But for the Bears, uh, apparently, Bandless is so integral to the operation that he needs to stay on the team. I got to tell you, that one always confused me. Hey, I hope it gets better for his sake. Hope he's a better year. I hope I can eat my words, but boy, does he have a lot to prove, let alone will he even be on the roster game one? That's a serious question. Could be cut, could be on the practice squad. I mean, you bring in DJ Moore, you got Moore. Mooney's going to be back and healthy. Dante Pettis is back. EQ St. Brown is back. Oh, yeah, and Chase Claypool's still here. That's five wide receivers. Where the hell is Bayless Jones going to go? He better get down the punt returning and kick returning because if he doesn't, there's going to be no spot for him on this team. Sports Talk Chicago. Here with John Zaglul, John Meadows directing and producing. A little heated there. <laughs> I don't like to hear the name Bayless Jones Jr. I just, I can't stand it. And if all you remember, by the way, you know, we did those live calls last year for every game. We're going to do them this year, too. My goodness, when he fumbled a football. Oh, my gosh. It was just horrendous. And he did cost the Bears a couple of games. That's the truth. He did single-handedly, in some cases, cost the Bears wins. Just saying. A couple of stories we're going to get through right now. NFL News, NFL Talk, Robbie Gold could be returning to the Bears. On a potential reunion, Robbie said, I'd quote, do it in a heartbeat. He'd do it in a heartbeat. I'd love to win impossible, so I'm being a little picky in where I'm going to go. But at 40 years old and playing 18 years in the league, I feel like I've earned the ability to do that. He said also, quote, I'd obviously want to play closer to home. That's one of the big things that's meant a lot to me. And we're filtering through those opportunities and waiting for the right time to do it. When he was asked if he'd be open to a reunion with the Bears, Robbie said, for sure, if they called and said, hey, we want you to play for us, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Ebro Santos is entering the final year of his deal with the Bears. And if they cut Santos, it'd only be a $1.5 million dead cap hit. But Robbie Gold, still open, still excited, and still wanting to play with the Bears, even at 40 years old. Robbie Gold's been so solid for a number of years. He obviously has tons of experience, 18 years. Can you believe he's 40 years old? I didn't even know that until I read that article. 40 years old, still kicking. And still doing a great job, too. He was great for the Niners last year. He's been great for the Niners since he left the Bears, or I should say since the Bears kicked him out of town. So I can't believe, and you know, maybe he's forgiving, and different regime at that time. I can't believe he even wants to come back after what happened, how it ended. I would love Robbie Gold, and I support this decision in a heartbeat. This would be huge for the Bears. Just a huge coup for them. 
Ambrose Santos was fine, and he was better the year before than last year. Missed a couple of clutch kicks. Had the extra point problem there for a little bit. I'm not saying Cairo Santos sucks. I mean, there are worse kickers in football, trust me. But bringing in somebody like Robbie Gold again would invigorate the fan base. He would do great like he's done for the past 18 years in the NFL. And I think he still has a lot left in the tank. I mean, last year, Niners were a playoff team. Year before they were as well. Year before that, the Niners have been near the top of the NFL for the past three or four years, and Robbie Gold's the one kicking their way through. But they've had so many different quarterbacks. And instability at the position. They were winning games 12-9, to 12-6. They were, due to Robbie Gold's leg. Even at 40 years old, he's still capable of doing what needs to be done at the kicker position. I would love it if he came back to the Bears. I could actually breathe a sigh of relief. I'm still scarred from the Cody Parkey thing. Every time I see a Bear kicker kick the football, I don't even know if it's going to go in. Not even kidding. Even with Cairo Santos. With Parkey, it was obvious. With Eddie Pinheiro, it became obvious. And now Cairo Santos last year became obvious. These guys have held down the position for a little bit, but eventually they falter. Robbie Gold has not faltered, and it's evidenced by his 18 years in football. If he'd faltered, he would have been out of the league by now, like everybody else. He's still playing. He's 40 years old. Believe it or not, he's top 10 all-time in points scored as a kicker. How about that for some knowledge? So Robbie Gold is a very solid kicker who still has a lot left to give. If the Bears were smart, because $1.5 million is such a minimal cap hit, I would cut Santos and bring in Robbie immediately. Don't know if they're going to do it. This is Robbie Gold talking and not the Bears, not Ryan Poles, not anybody in power over there, not even Matt Eberflus. But Robbie wants to come back. If the Bears could give him a competitive enough offer, he may take it. And if he takes it, that's a huge win. Kickers could play until 45, 46 years old. Adam Vinatieri did it. Bobby could play for three, four more years. Legitimately possible. The Bears could offer him a two- or three-year deal, or maybe three years with an option for a fourth, or two years with an option for a third. Come back to Chicago. Maybe they can even get him at a small hometown discount. He wants to win. He just said it. But the Bears are in a position now, and certainly the year after, to win. And he's open to returning. Get on that phone today, Ryan Poles, and make a deal happen. There should be no hesitation or no blinking or no wondering. I wonder what I should do. Robbie Gold is Robbie Gold. Bring him back if you can. And if he's interested, even better. Potential discount. Great steady kicker. Hometown guy. Fans would love him. Wants to win. All of those elements would contribute to Gold wanting to come back and Gold fitting in great here in Chicago. If I were the Bears, I would pull the trigger. <coughs> Aaron Sports Talk Chicago. John Zaglul with, with you here. Uh, we got John Meadows in the building directing and producing. We have a couple of NFL hits that we're going to get to, a couple of national items I really want to talk about. Um, we will start with Jalen Hurts. So today, Jalen Hurts officially signed his big mega contract extension with Philadelphia. Five years, $255 million, $179 million guaranteed, plus a $23 million signing bonus. 
and an average annual salary of $51 million. Highest paid quarterback, highest paid player in NFL history. Good for Jalen Hurts. This deal sets him up to even make more money in the future because it's such a short-term contract. He's only going to be, he's going to be less than 30 years old when he goes on the free agent market again. Big, big job for him. Good job. Here's what I have to say about this, though. And this is more of an NFL opinion, but I do want to wrap in Justin Fields as well. But give me a minute here. If Lamar Jackson thinks that he's going to get $51 million per year, he's crazy. And that's the main point of this segment. I don't know how many Lamar Jackson fans are here with us. Lamar Jackson's a very talented player. Don't get me wrong. Running, MVP winner, did things that no other quarterback has done, and he's still young. But I'll tell you what, he has missed way too many games recently, past two or three years. He's been way too injury prone. And his performance has actually declined since 2019. I mean, in 2020, it was 16 touchdowns, 13 picks. That's horrendous. Do you really think he deserves $51 million? Does Lamar Jackson think so? Apparently he does because he still can't find a contract with Baltimore. Do you really want somebody like that on your team? Cap strapping you for $51 million? No, I wouldn't. Remember what was so funny when... Everybody said, oh, Justin Fields look for Lamar Jackson, one for one, one for one. What a dumb idea. What a stupid move. And now this makes it even worse. Let me ask you this, Bears fans. Would you want the Bears to pay Lamar Jackson, assuming that trade went through, $51 million per year? They'd be cap-strapped forever. Their team would already suck. I mean, they already do suck until this season. Now they'd suck even more, and they'd have a quarterback who'd play eight games a year. Yikes. What's this mean for Justin Fields, as I said? I think it means a lot. I think if Justin Fields can turn on this year and do what he is projected to do, and if he does this for the next two years, I should say, he may be in line for a big extension. You know, a lot of people said, well, Jalen Hurst did this, the Eagles did this, so the Bears are going to be the Eagles. We've seen this narrative being built throughout the year, and there are a lot of parallels between the two teams. Today, Justin Fields is not worth $51 million. I think that's a non-controversial opinion. Unless you're really sipping the Kool-Aid. I mean, you, you got to agree with me on that. But in two years, if Justin Fields does what Jalen Hurts has done, if Justin Fields leads the Bears to a deep playoff run, MVP candidate doesn't even need to win it, he could very well be in that range. And that becomes a question that we have to think about years from now. Should the Bears pay Justin Fields that much? Will they be worth that much based on his performance? Are you okay with the Bears being a little bit cap-strapped in order to pay their quarterback? The Bears are such a Stone Age football organization at times, they've never had to face this sort of situation because they've never had a quarterback. They've never had to wonder, hmm, if we pay our quarterback $40 million, $50 million, what are we going to do with the rest of our team? Bears are one of the few organizations left that actually haven't dealt with that conundrum. Even the Lions have, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Packers, Kirk Cousins, Vikings. It just set the thinking wheels turning in my head when I saw this news. Because I thought, what if Justin Fields does what Jalen Hurts has done? What will the Bears do? 
And it's a fun debate. We don't have an answer today, and really, maybe some would say it's stupid even think about it right now. Justin Fields needs to prove himself. He needs to get to a point where he is even deserving of $50 million. But I'll tell you what, that day will come sooner than you think. And the question is going to be, what will the Bears do? What do you think they should do? If Justin Fields bulls out like Jalen Hurts over the past couple of years, should they pay Justin Fields $50 million? Are you okay with that sort of dollar amount, depending on what the Bears do in the playoffs with Fields? Just fun things to think about. Good for Jalen Hurts for getting all this money. Bad for future quarterback markets, because Justin Fields will cost a pretty penny. And I guess lukewarm for Lamar Jackson. And Lamar, if you're watching, you aren't worth $50 million. Sorry. You're a, you're a very good player. I won't even say decent. You're a very good player. You've won an MVP. You are a historic quarterback in terms of rushing and passing. But your performance over the past couple of years has been crap. You haven't played in a majority of the games in a season in two years. you got problems. They need to be fixed before you could talk about $50 million. Everybody's watching the Jalen Hurts saga, and now it's come to an end for now. What's it mean for Lamar Jackson? Here's what it means. Absolutely nothing, because Lamar's not worth $50 million. Unfortunately, the market now is at that rate, so Lamar's going to think he deserves it. What's going to happen is the Ravens and Lamar are going to butt heads, and probably no deal is going to be done. And if it is, Lamar will take a pay cut. The Ravens will not pay him $50 million per year. I guarantee it. And they shouldn't. And if they do, it's dumb. Something to think about. That deal's very interesting, but I'll tell you what, Lamar doesn't deserve it. Justin Fields may. Only time will tell on that one. In other news, this one broke today. Aaron Rodgers is now officially a Jet. Compensation. The Jets get Aaron Rodgers, pick number 15 in the draft, and a 2023 fifth-round pick. The Packers will get pick number 13 a 2023 second-round pick, a sixth-round pick, and a conditional 2024 second-round pick that becomes a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the plays. So, essentially, because Rodgers should play 65% of the plays, they get two first-rounders, but they have to give up a first-rounder to get Rodgers. What do I think of the trade? Well, I'm happy Aaron Rodgers is gone. The Jordan Love era is beginning in Green Bay, an era of rebuilding, potentially and an era that mirrors what the Bears have been going through the past couple of years. Justin Fields breaks out of the scene, had a horrible year last year as a team, but Fields improved, and now this year could be a big year. Jordan Love is going to have to learn his way around this offense with novice wide receivers, no Nathaniel Hackett, no Luke Getze, a decimated coaching staff. He will have to understand and figure out how to play the quarterback position. Good luck to him. I hope he succeeds. Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets. He's going to have to compete with, well, Josh Allen, I guess. Tuatunga Bailoa, if he stays healthy. And whatever the Patriots do, Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. The Jets could be a wild card team. Yeah, I say that, though, a wild card team. I don't think the Jets are going to be this much improved by acquiring Aaron Rodgers. A lot of Jets fans are saying we're going to win the Super Bowl. Things are going great. I don't see it. Look at the AFC. Is Aaron Rodgers going to be Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship game? Or better yet, will Aaron Rodgers even reach the AFC Championship game? That's a real question. 
because he's going to have to overcome potentially the Chiefs, potentially Buffalo. Miami could be a problem. But about the Chargers? Maybe the Raiders with Jimmy G. There are so many different possibilities here. You can't just say it is guaranteed. Book it just to the Super Bowl. I don't think so. I doubt it. And everybody gave Rodgers crap. Why would you go to the AFC? And really, now, officially, it's true. You're dumb. Brady is out of the NFC. Brady's done, at least for now. Why not get traded to another NFC team, be the premier quarterback in that conference, and at least guarantee yourself, essentially, an NFC championship appearance? Nope, you go to the AFC, you want to compete in one of the toughest divisions in football, and good luck if you want to get past Patrick Mahomes. What kind of logic is that? I'm just happy he's gone. I mean, this officially opens up the division. I mean, you got Detroit, who's actually the favorite according to betting odds. You got the Vikings, the Bears, and the Packers. Anybody could win this division. If Justin Fields balls out and has an MVP-type year like Jalen Hurts did last year. The Bears could easily win this division. It's right there for the taking. There's no excuse why they can't. Rodgers is gone, and that Packers team is decimated and demoralized. And they have no coaching, very little coaching, no players, and no Aaron Rodgers. They have Jordan Love, who's going to be learning on the job, kind of. I mean, he's been there for a couple of years sitting out, but there's a lot for him that he's going to have to take in. Jared Goff is back in Detroit. Detroit's going to be a powerhouse. Now they got David Montgomery. And the Vikings are the Vikings. Last year, I think, was a mirage. And I think this year they're going to come back down to earth a bit, probably go 9-8, and 10-7. Then you got the Bears with all this promise, but nothing to show for it yet. This is an easy way for the Bears to win this division or at least get a wild card spot with Rodgers gone. The Packers are not going to be a playoff team this year. So now you have a situation in which a perennial playoff team is going to be out of the picture. Which team in the NFC is going to overtake and get to a point where at least they could be a wild card contender, let alone a division contender? Which team is going to take their place? And I say this today, and this is not me blowing smoke, the Bears could do it. The Bears could take that spot if they want it, if they're ready, if everybody performs according to their potential on paper. If D.J. Moore's a 1,000-yard season, Chase Claypool bounces back, Darnell Mooney's going to be here. If Justin Fields absolutely breaks out. If Khalil Herbert can handle being an RB1. If the offensive line could be better. If the pass rush could improve. A lot of ifs there. But it's possible. And that's the exciting thing if you're a Bears fan. That's the exciting thing and something you really want to think about. The Bears could do it. Now they have an easy path to winning this division or an easier path to winning this division because Rodgers is gone. That's exciting. That's really cool. Will they do it, though? I don't know. It is worth mentioning, though, that the Bears have a real legitimate shot. As for this trade, I don't really care about it too much. Because the Jets are not going to win the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. They're not going to overcome Patrick Mahomes. They may not even overcome Josh Allen. And that's pathetic because I'll tell you what, Josh Allen, not too many times has he been in an, in an AFC championship game. 
And that's Josh Allen. We're talking about the fourth, fifth best quarterback in the AFC, potentially. Rodgers may not even overcome Allen. He will not overcome Patrick Mahomes. There are other quarterbacks and teams on the radar, too. Again, like the Chargers, like the Raiders, but Jimmy G, who's a proven winner, like Miami. And I'm sure I'm missing a couple as well. This is not going to be an easy path for him. He chose the harder road. And I respect it if he wins because he actually wants to, I guess, prove whatever he has to prove. He's still a great quarterback. But as far as intelligence and thinking about doing things the right way, he messed up big time. As far as the Bears go, Lions, Vikings, Packers, this division is wide open. We're saying it today. Somebody has to emerge and win it. Hopefully, hopefully, the Bears will do just that. <clears throat> Sports Talk Chicago here with John Zaglul. John Meadows Directing and Producing were presented by our good sponsor, Amish Country Farms. For the best Amish food in all of Chicago, then hit them up today in Orland Park. Pie sales, pie sales galore going on right now for Mother's Day. Hit them up, order your custom-made pie from the Amish of Northern Indiana. If you miss any of this show, by the way, hit us up on the podcast, Sports Talk Chicago, all over the place, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeart, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcast as well. A couple of more segments to go. Baseball is in the air. Oh, I've been looking forward to these segments all day. I was actually sitting at my desk at work thinking about what I would say. I was. I was so excited because I know I've been away for a little bit. There's been a lot we've missed out on that we have to discuss. You guys know my love and passion for baseball, and these are going to be fun. First of all, let's talk about the Cubs. We'll leave the White Sox for last. Don't miss that. Don't miss that rant. How about the Cubs at 12-9? and nine? How about the Cubs at a 61% chance to make the postseason? Even a 2% chance to make the World Series. How about Marcus Stroman and Justin Steele? How about Drew Smiley almost throwing a perfect game? And how about that hitting? I have now formally been forced to stop talking bad about Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger has found his Dodgers flair. A 930 OPS hitting 300. Ian Happ is hitting 307. Nico Horner's hitting 355. Oh, yeah, and Patrick Wisdom is nine home runs tied for third in Major League Baseball. Can you believe that? You know, I mocked Patrick Wisdom before the first day of the season, and I like Patrick Wisdom, decent player, 25, 30 homers a year, hitting 220, but hey, he's hitting 256, and he has nine homers already. In fact, if you look at this Cubs lineup, besides the DH position and Eric Hosmer, everybody's hitting with an above 100 OPS plus. Everybody. Everybody's above league average as a hitter. Their pitching is solid with the top three pitchers. Stroman, Steele, Smiley, solid. Wisniewski having a lot of trouble, unfortunately. A lot of control issues, too. Seven walks and 17 innings and... 12 runs given up. Michael Fulmer has been a disappointment at closer so far. Brad Boxberger's kind of taking over that role. Keegan Thompson, Edward Azale doing great out of the bullpen, though, too. Even Mark Leiter Jr., the same. This is beyond a surprise, but I will say this. I will say this. We expected it. We talked about it last time on this show. We said, hey, if the Cubs could shore up a lot of these question marks, and if everybody played according to their potential, they would be a playoff team. And right now, if the season ended today, today, guess what? They'd be the second wildcard team. They'd be in the playoffs. 
Okay, now I know we're 20 games in, but this is significant. <clears throat> this is significant. This is exciting to see for the Cubs. How are they doing this? What's going on? But they're making it work. It's exciting. And everybody's playing to their potential in fact above. And everyone's numbers will cool down. But how about Cody Bellinger playing like 2019 MVP Cody Bellinger? That I did not see coming. How about Nico Horner hitting 355? I know Nico Horner's great. I love Nico Horner, but not 355 Nico Horner. I didn't even expect that to happen. How about Patrick Wisdom near the top of all of baseball and home runs? How about Marcus Stroman being one of the best pitchers in the National League, along with Justin Steele? How about Drew Smiley almost throwing a perfect game? Look at all these players that I'm naming and think about their preseason expectations. They're exceeding everything and then some. And that's why this Cubs team is 12-9. and nine. And if everybody could play, even leveling out their performance, playing to where they should be, this is an 85-win team. This is a wild card team. This is a playoff team with this sort of roster. And I love this roster so much because you know what? They were expected to do nothing. This is actually a more lovable roster than, in my opinion, 2016. I'll say it now. <laughs> There's no overbearing cockiness. A lot of these guys are just competing every day. Ragtag group trying to do their best. Ian Happ is having an outstanding start to his season. Cody Bellinger's refound his stroke at the plate. Nico Horner, who just got an extension. Usually when players get paid, they suck. He's doing better than ever. These are guys who are playing hard and earning their money and competing for something that they want. This team wants a playoff appearance, and they're playing like they want it. That's what's exciting. They have the pitching. They have three solid starters today. Wisniewski's been a disappointment, but who knows what could happen later. Couple of good bullpen arms, and their lineup is insane. Seven out of the nine players in their everyday lineup are hitting above average, according to OPS Plus. Above league average. Jan Gomes, even. Dansby Swanson, who just signed for big money. Everybody. They have Suzuki, back from injury, hitting 324. This team is fun to watch. This team is exciting to watch. And they're doing exactly what I thought they would do. Wildcard team, 85 wins. And they're right there. And it's still surprising because the guys who you didn't expect to perform are performing, and that's why they're winning. I didn't expect Cody Bellinger to be an MVP candidate. I didn't expect Patrick Wisdom to probably make the All-Star team if he continues at this pace. I didn't even expect Nico Horner to hit 355, but I surely didn't expect Dansby Swanson to actually somewhat earn his money. But it's happening right now, and it's exciting to see. Marcus Stroman is killing it. How about Justin Steele, too? There is so much to be excited about with this Cubs team. I'm so happy with their performance. They deserve all the credit and all the respect that they can get. I don't know if this is going to last but I will sit here and enjoy what I'm seeing. This is better than last year. This is a credit, which nobody wants to give him, a credit to Jed Hoyer. Everybody crashed him, killed him, 
have to trade away everybody. Oh, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez. Well, Javi Baez, by the way, is one of the worst qualified hitters in baseball today. Literally not kidding. Look up his numbers with Detroit. He was benched by Detroit two weeks ago. But everybody wants to talk about Javi Baez. Chris Bryant is an under-average hitter in Colorado. He's having trouble in Colorado hitting the baseball. This core that everybody was so pissed about that left has turned into nothing. And this new core, these new players that Jed Hoyer said, I'm going to control and keep, are doing great. Praise should be to Jed Hoyer. And by the way, fault should be to Theo Epstein. Yes, it should be. Because Theo left this team a year before everything came crashing down. He saw the fire was about to explode and he walked on out. And left his buddy, what a, what a buddy he is, Jed Hoyer, to sit there and clean up the mess. Jed's cleaned it up. Credit should be to him. And a lot of people should be thanking Jed for what he did for this team. The Cubs could never develop pitching prospects under the Epstein-Hoyer regime. With Hoyer at the top, they are. The Cubs had spent so much money on pointless people like Jason Hayward. Here, they're not doing it. They're very frugal, yet they're still employing players who are winning them games. Jed Hoyer is shrewd, is smart, made the tough decisions that were unpopular and said, who cares, you'll see it better in a couple of years, and he was right. Praise should be to Jed Hoyer for what he's doing here. Haven't seen enough of it. Haven't seen anybody talk about it, but it's really Jed. Two years ago, everybody said he should be fired. That's a fact. Look it up. Everybody was unhappy with how he handled the core. Well, the core sucks. They blow. Look it up. They're horrible. Horrible seasons so far. And last year, too. Anthony Rizzo's the only, the only bright spot right now. Bryant, disappointment. Baez, disappointment. Even Wilson Contreras, last time I checked, was hitting under 200 in St. Louis. That's a move that I questioned. Kudos to Jen Hoyer for making the tough decision, not bending down to the Cubs mafia and saying, you know what, this is good and you'll see what comes of it later on. And today we're seeing it, and this Cubs team is winning because of him. He's the architect of this roster. Might be weird, might be unorthodox. Hey, what's this guy doing here? Why is this guy here? Guess what? It's working. Leave it alone. And they're not paying unbelievable amounts of money to anybody but Dansby Swanson. Everybody else is on a pretty team-friendly deal, and it's going to stay that way because they just extended Half and Horner. Kudos to Jan Hoyer. I hope the Cubs keep winning, and I hope he keeps it up. <clears throat> Sports Talk Chicago. John's Glue, John Meadows here with you. Last segment of the day. Remember, if you've missed anything, go to the podcast, Sports Talk Chicago, anywhere you get your podcast, or stay right here on the YouTube channel. This one has been in my head all day. This one has been bouncing around in my brain for the past week. And it's time to get it out in the open. What the hell is wrong with the Chicago White Sox? Hey, John, it's Tony's fault. Really? Is it? Is it really Tony LaBruce's fault? You know, remember a couple of weeks ago when I said that there was a show out there, I don't want to name them, who talked about Tony LaRussa and the White Sox being 
traumatized by LaRusse's reign. Well, now they came out with an article today saying maybe it's not Tony LaRusse's fault. Yeah, would it be two years late to the frickin' party? It was never Tony LaRusse's fault. All of you who said it was were wrong. This team is 7-15. and 15. I'm not even going to blame Pedro Grafal. I'm not, because you know what? That's the trap. It's not the manager. It's the players. When will everybody start seeing it? Look at these numbers. And you tell me who's at fault. The White Sox have three hitters in their entire lineup who's hitting above league average. That's it, three. And Jake Berger isn't even a full-timer yet. Because Monty Grandal is, and Andrew Vaughn is. Everybody else is unbelievably disappointing. Albus Andrews sucks. Luis Robert, who was an MVP candidate a week in, is now hitting 233. I heard this on the radio today. Four for his last 41. And guess what? Still leading off. That's a Pedro full problem. Why the hell is he leading off hitting four for 41 in the past stretch of games? Oscar Colas, the rookie, 233. Aloy Jimenez, 208. Tim Anderson still hurt. The White Sox are 66-67 and 67 since 2021 when Tim Anderson does not play. When he does play, a 600-plus winning percentage. But they're 66-67 and 67 when he doesn't play. And unfortunately for Anderson, he's always hurt. Yon Mokata's still hurt. Kevin Sheets has done well off the bench. And everybody else has sucked. In the rotation, it's only been Dylan Cease. I could not be more disappointed with this. Lucas Giolito at a 4.5 ERA. And Lance Lynn at 36 years old, a 7.59. Michael Kopech's at a 7 as well. Reynaldo Lopez trying to close is at an 8.38. Mike Clemenger, another pleasant surprise at 3.26. Nothing is working. So whose fault is it? I ask you. Tony La Russa, Pedro Grafon, Jerry Reinsdorf, Rick Hahn, or the players? Why did they go 81 and 81 last year? Why didn't they improve upon what they did in 2021? Why are they 7 and 15 this year? Why are they near the bottom of baseball this year? The players suck. They are not playing up to their potential. They're not even playing to any potential. And I've always felt this way about the White Sox. They do a good job, to their credit, at overhyping players who are just not good. They do an outstanding job of it. Hey, I like Luis Robert. I like his potential. But see, here's the thing. He's been in baseball four years, never played more than 70 games in a season. We have to stop talking about potential. He's not a rookie anymore. He's 25 years old. Dude, get it together. Eloy Jimenez, 26, still has not played a full season. Oscar Colas, a 24-year-old rookie. These guys suck. You sell the fan base, and you do such a good job of doing it, White Sox, but they don't play, they don't succeed, and everybody just keeps buying into these players who may turn it on. Why? They're horrible. In fact, I'll say this, and this is not an overreaction. They're the reason Tony got fired. And they're the reason Pedro Grifol will probably get fired. Because I'll tell you what, after Tony going 81-81 and 81 with this team, I don't know how you can't fire Pedro Grifol after this season. 
And I, I like Pedro Grifol. I think he actually knows a lot about the game. I like his persona. I like what he does with baseball. But you can't have a double standard here. You can't fire Tony going 500 and then keep Grifol going 65 and 99. We got some real problems here. Legitimate problems. So where is the Tony LaRusta deserves to be fire crowned? Raise your hands high. Make sure everybody could see him. You were wrong. You were all wrong. And that's okay. We all make mistakes. We all learn. I make mistakes every day. I learn. But I just, how could you not have seen it? You're sitting here blaming a 78-year-old Hall of Famer who's managed teams, who's won countless championships. You're going to tell me now it's his fault for the crap-ass performance of this team. Guys, come on. Why? And that's not just you. It's everybody in Chicago sports media. There was a vendetta around Tony from the day he was hired. We need to get him on again soon. Mike North, he's talked about this a number of times on this show. There's been a mystique, some weird thing going on around Tony. For whatever reason, I don't know. I don't know why nobody liked him or why nobody wanted him. But he was run out of town essentially by the media, not the team or poor performance. Hey, Tony did great. Two years, won a division championship, never won under 500. Good manager. <laughs> really good manager. And yet we sit here today watching Pedro, Pedro Grifol and this AAA team play like a AAA ball club. It is not Tony LaRusso's fault. And now we're seeing rectification months and years later. Just two weeks ago, we had people talking on the radio about how this team is so traumatized by Tony LaRusso. Traumatized? Traumatized by a manager? Give me a break. Matt Nagy was traumatizing to the Bears. Tony LaRusso won games. Tony LaRusso was well-liked. Everybody liked Tony LaRusso. How could you not? Respectable person. But yet, it's his fault that the team today is 7-15. and 15. Shut up. All of you who said that, shut your mouths. You're wrong. Tony was a great manager. Tony did a lot of things for this team, and I'll tell you what, this team played like this last year, and Tony got them to 500. This team's playing like this again, and a new manager, a novice, a rookie, has about 7-15. Who does that reflect on? Who? And again, I like Pedro Grifol, but my point is, who does that reflect on? I don't hear anybody saying it's Pedro's fault. I hear everybody saying now it's the players and Jerry Reinsdorf. Fine. Where was that blame last year? Why was it all on Tony? Anybody in the media who peddled that narrative should be ashamed of themselves. You cost somebody a job for no reason. Because if Tony was here today, this team would be at least 500. I'm not saying they'd be a World Series winner, even a division winner. But they'd be 500, guaranteed. And instead, they're 7-15. and 15. They're wasting away in the cellar of the AL Central with Kansas City. And the rebuild that seemingly never ended will continue for the White Sox. That is unfortunate. 
And I feel for all of you who are fans of this team. You're able to deal with nonsense year after year from your fan base, from media, from the Sox themselves. You never get a clear answer, and I don't blame you for that. You never get a clear answer. You never hear anything. Not your fault fully. But you got to research what's going on here. You cannot blame Tony for what happened. Never. No way. After what he did. Time to blame who's really at fault, the players. Maybe Reinsdorf if you want, but really the players, it's not even Jerry's fault. Hey, Jerry Reinsdorf has spent money on this team. It's not even his fault. These players are not playing. Look at these numbers. My goodness. A 47 OPS plus for Elvis Andrews. Luis Roberts, four first last 41. Tim Anderson's on the shelf again. Oscar Colos is already playing like a bust. Aloy Jimenez still can't figure it out. Guys, it's not even Jerry. It's these players. They just aren't performing. This is not the team. This is not the vision. This is not the rebuild and the exciting star-studded roster that everybody thought was going to come up. A lot of these players who were marketed to you, this is a tough truth, have been complete disappointments. And once you accept that, You'll understand why the White Sox are losing, why it's not a managerial problem, why it's not even a Reinsdorf problem. It's a player problem. It's a player problem. It is so shameful and unfortunate to see this come out and see it happen the way it has. I hope for White Sox fans' sake that this team just blows up and they start it over. But I understand your pain and your misery and your suffering. You've waited so many years to see this come to fruition. <laughs> and right now you have a 7 and 15 dumpster fire. You didn't think you'd be there. I didn't either. But you are. The sooner you accept these players being disappointments, the sooner you're going to understand why they're losing, why it's time to blow things up. That'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Appreciate everybody tuning in. We had such a great show. Great interaction from all of you and a great time. I'm so happy to be back. So happy we were able to do this show here on a Monday night. Big thank you to John Meadows for directing and producing. Make sure everything worked out behind the scenes. Remember, you can follow us all over the place. Sports Talk Chicago. We're always live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Find me personally at John Z Sports all over social media. And remember, just in case you forget, Sports Talk Chicago is now the Sports Talk Chicago Podcast Network. Corey Wooten, former NFL player, and Joey Christopoulos have their own show on this network. Joey's also going to debut his own show very soon, and we have other people in the works. Former athletes, sports media heavyweights, and rising stars like myself. So many people are going to be involved. It's actually very exciting, and you will see new content. We're going to make sure we announce everything, get things out for you in the next couple of weeks, two months. Working on a lot of things behind the scenes. I'm always on the phone every day. And we're going to make sure we make something happen because we want to be the place for you. We want to be the premier spot for you for Chicago sports news. There are other people doing what we're doing, and that's good. Good for them, but we're going to do it differently. And we're going to have a good time doing it as well. And I hope you stay with me and join me along for the ride. We are prepared and poised 
take a market share out of the Chicago sports scene. I'm not asking to kill everybody else. I'm not asking to beat down on all of our competitors. I'm asking all of you to join us for what's going to be something unique, something different, and something exciting. With former pros, with icons in Chicago, with sports media people whom you see on TV today and on the radio today, and people like myself who's been here since day one and who's organizing all this stuff behind the scenes. I hope you stay with us. I hope you join us and I hope you support us. For all of us here at Sports Talk Chicago, thank you so much for listening and watching today. We will be back later this week. Until next time, so long, everyone.